So today's uh, number, chapter 11, again, we're, we're studying the London Baptist Confession of 1689. Ashraf, do you have this book? At home. You don't. In, Indi in, in Indiana. In Indiana. <laughs> Very good. It's a long ways to go to get it. Seven, how you doing? Good, how are you like? Good. So just talking about justification. I always like I always like definitions of things, just to kind of know where we're just because you know the heart the reason I put it up there, we kind of know what it means, but I kind of always like to know the technical definition of things, just because it's because it's I don't know. Uh, I keep, I, I, I keep it up there just to kind of refer back to that definition occasionally. So the de definition of justification is an act by which unjust sinners, that's all of us here, are declared righteousness. Now, declared is, is important. We'll, we'll discuss that after a bit. We're not made righteous. We're declared righteous. There's a little bit of a difference there. And we'll, we'll get into try to get into the nuance and explain that a little bit about why we make such a big deal of those two different, those two words. Um, it has to do actually with the Catholic Church that kind of, there's a little difference and so there's some clarification of that. So declared righteous in sight of a just and holy God. Okay, so think of that as a definition. How are we made, justification, how are we made um, or declared righteous, you know, in, in the, in front of a holy God. So that's that's kind of the, what we're, we're going to be after today. So um, I'm going to go ahead and read the uh, the first paragraph of the London Baptist Confession on justification. And I wondered if we could get uh, some folks, I'm going to read off some Bible verses, if we could get someone, uh, Devin, you got a Bible? By chance, you want to dig that out? Right. Romans uh, 3. Uh, 23 through 24, and then Alan, uh, Romans 8, 30, and then um, Sean, would you read Romans 5, 17 through 19, and then um, Buns, would you read Ephesians 2, uh, 8 through 10? So give me just a second, I'll read through this. And these are, again, these are just, you know, verses that are used to kind of help explain this um, statement from the uh, uh, confession. So I'm going to read this. It's a little high English sort of stuff, but those whom God effectively calleth. Now, you guys talked about effectual calling last week, right? What is effectual calling? Anybody? Effectual calling? I know you're thinking harder than I can tell. You're looking. You're not looking up this direction. So I know that there's something going on with that. But any thoughts on that? I wasn't God there last drawing, week. God drawing those that he's chosen. Yeah. Okay. That's a good way to put it. It's very simple. Through faith. Right. God's drawing, you know, sort of an illumination is, is a component that could be, but it's actually... Irresistibly drawing. Well, we're not going to go there. <laughs> you hear that? He said irresistibly drawn. Okay, well, that's a, that's another question. Some people would know, not necessarily agree with that, but I do agree with that, but we're going to avoid that for today. So those who are effectually called, and I would venture to bet, I don't know everybody real, real in detail, but I would bet, bet that everybody here is probably effect, uh, effectually called. Okay, so to those whom God effectually called, I'm not going to assume that, but my, my guess is if I was a betting man, FanDuel, I'd go with the bet. Um, he also freely justifieth, not by infusing righteousness. So he, so those he called, he justified, not by infusing righteousness into them, but by pardoning their sins and by accounting and accepting their persons as righteous. Okay? Not for anything wrought in them, not anything from inside of them, or done by them, but no acts, but for Christ's sake alone, not by imputing faith itself, the act of believing or any other evangelical obedience to them as their righteousness. But here's the key point. But by imputing, there's that word imputing, I put that up there, Christ's act of obedience 
unto the whole law and passive obedience in his death. So those are the, t- the last two statements, you know, at Christ's obedience, um, both active unto the whole law and passive obedience, his death, are required for our righteousness. For their whole and sole righteousness by faith, faith which they have not in themselves, it is the gift of God. And that is a lot of stuff that's kind of packed in there, right? So again, this is sort of a systematic theology of the concepts of justification. So uh, Romans 3, uh, 23 and 24. You got that, Devin? Sorry, I'm wasting your batteries there. Keep it here. Uh, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Okay. Good words. I mean, good theology, that kind of some, you know, you see that in the first paragraph, um, Romans 8.30. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Okay, so that's kind of an interesting step. So what did, what did he, does anybody know what he just, what Alan just read? You, you, you might have heard this term. It's kind of the steps of salvation. It's called the Ordus Salutis. Anybody hear what that is? Do you guys, you guys know what that is? It's the order of the processes of salvation. Yeah, and I don't know how important that is really. You know, um, but, it's, but it's mentioned, you know, kind of in Reformed theology about how things, you know, kind of, how, how, how things actually happen, what, what goes through the, what a, what a believer, how, how the believer, how God works in the believers. That's probably the better way to put it. I'm going to write it down because because when we start talking about the glorification, you know, we kind of went through the entire order salutis just real quick. You kind of summarized it is what what Alan did. Does anybody know the first part of the order salutis or order of salvation? I'm just going to put them on here. Well, let's 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 make it a let's make it a game. Let's guess. Any thoughts? What happens first? Called. It's whoever is called. <laughs> okay, called is part of it. That's exactly right. That's number two. They're elected. Yeah. Yes, that is correct. Election is number one. Not that that's important, but I'm just putting these things down. Okay, affectionately called, elected. What happens after that? Anybody? I'll just go ahead and put regeneration. Regeneration. Usually an act of the Spirit to do that. And there's sort of an action on that regeneration that we, not that we do, but it's, it's kind of our response, and that's conversion. And then, today's subject, justification. And then adoption. What's, the, what's number 12? Ashraf, do you have your book? What's, the, what's number 12? I don't have my glasses on. Oh, you don't have your glasses. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Adoption. Adoption. So, yeah. So, you can kind of see how this is actually taking us through that process, right? What is, what is after adoption? Good. And then eight is perseverance. And then death. And then where did Alan take us? He took us to number 10 in that verse. He also glorified, right? Glorification. Anybody other, you know, study these things in school? I didn't even, everybody going to church here, what have we been here for about 27 years? And this isn't really explicitly discussed, and I don't know if you even really need to know this sort of stuff. It's not going to, it's just, it's just kind of a, a, a thing to kind of understand sort of the, the steps on which they likely occur. Now, <clears throat> um, again, I just bring those up because I thought it's kind of interesting, especially since it's even in the order in the book, uh, in the um, 
in the confession of, of how it's presented, which which uh, you know may or may not make a difference. But now you can. Kind of, I'm just bringing it up. Not that not that important to go on. Okay, Romans five uh, seventeen to nineteen. Sean? There it is. I, was, I had it. Mm. It's okay. Awesome. For it, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Man, a lot of stuff, a lot of transfers happening there, right? So that's that's this kind of term, you know, imputation or impute. And the definition of impute, at least from dictionary.com, is to attribute to a person or persons. Another definition is to ascribe as derived from another. So it's something that you get. So what's in 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 life, in biblical life, what was the first imputation that occurred? It was not a good one. Death. Death was the consequence. Because of, who, who, what did we impute from? Our sin from Adam, right? Okay. So like I'm his, to out where you're going with that. yeah, I'm sure I didn't, I didn't lead you in the right direction. It was probably my fault. So yeah, so, you know, our sin, you know, his sin is kind of imputed to the entire world, including the ground, right? So now we've got, that, so that's what it kind of refers to as, you know, since um, by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. That's, that's, Adam's, Adam, that's Adam's issue with us. I kind of mentioned this last time, but I, I don't think it's not unreasonable to mention it again. Is, you know, we, we often kind of dismiss sin as like being sort of inconsequential. Oh, if I do this or think this way, it's not going to affect anybody. But what, I mean... One bite of fruit, who did it affect? Everyone, including the earth for all eternity. That's the, that's the power of sin. I mean, I, you know, I, you try to think of it as minimal. We, we, we do all do it. Everybody does that. I do it. Devin, maybe not. <laughs> he's like got superpowers or something. But that's not true either. <laughs> What's that? But you know what I'm saying is it's just like the you know sin has such devastating consequences and even one sin and, then, and you could argue again there might have been more sins that were involved with that but but that one sin just affected the entire it infected all of us billions of people um, and so then the other imputation that occurs of course is when Christ uh, died and. Well, because of our sin, our sin was imputed to him and his righteousness was imputed back to us. So that sort of double imputation kind of occurred. And as Sean said, so by one man's disobedience, the many will be righteous. Okay, okay, yeah. Oh, so by one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. I mean, that's just great news. You know, it's great theology to think that way. Because of what Christ has done, in spite of what we have done, you know, his righteousness is now imputed back to us. Now, we know that's, we know that's true. You know, how, how, well, I said, how do you know that? Well, <clears throat> thought about this, is that what, what, who, who, who killed Christ in the first place? I mean, it was kind of man, but how did that happen? Who put that in man's mind? Who, who killed Christ, ultimately? We all did. Who did? We all did. We all did, yes. But how did how did all that happen? Who who prompted the circumstances to do that? I think where you're going is safe. No. Well, actually, the, I'm not going. Okay. The Father. The Father. Yeah. The plan. Yeah. yeah. God. God was the one who put Christ to death ultimately. Okay. Because he, so if if. If his, if if our sin was not imputed to him, he would be sinless, and therefore God would be wrong to have killed him. But yet he was killed. Does that make sense? Yeah. Is my, Devin, you look like you did not have enough coffee, or you got 
Don't bless the coffee and stop you making sense. <laughs> but does that make sense? In other words, God should have never killed Christ unless the, that imputation of our sin to him actually occurred. Are you okay with that? Yeah. Abby, are you okay with that? I think so. All right, I'm not, so sure. I'm not convinced that. That's the time everything went dark, when all of our sin went to him. Right. Because everything went dark. Yeah, everything went dark. And that sin, you know, a lot of times you say, oh, we're forgiven. No, the, actually the, the penalty of our sin was executed. Okay, meaning that God killed Christ, separated himself, turned his back against him, and Christ suffered the, the entire wrath of God on our behalf so that, you know, we would get that we would be declared righteousness in his eyes. Um, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is a kind of a lead to the next paragraph, in the justification um, phase of, or the justification uh, idea. And I'm going to read that. This is number two. If you have your book, if you don't have your book, it's okay. Faith, thus receiving and resting on Christ and his righteousness, is the alone instrument of justification. Yet not alone in the person justified, but is ever accompanied with all other saving graces. And so is no dead faith, but worketh by love. What does all that mean? All right, we'll go back around. Um, uh, Abby, could you read Romans 3.28? Carissa, I'm just going to give these out, then we'll read them. Uh, Carissa, uh, Galatians 5, verse 6. Heidi, James um, 2, uh, 17. And then, Ashraf, you don't have your glasses yet, do you? No. Okay. No, it's in the car. It's in the car. Uh, <laughs> I can go on James. No book, no car. James, you got it? 226. Mm -hmm. James 226. So again, kind of the point here is that faith is the instrument of justification. Okay? And as we'll see a little bit later in this whole conversation, it's the same in the New Testament as well as the Old Testament. That's number six. I'm getting ahead of myself. But just in case, you know, something bad happens between now and then, I'm bringing that up. Um, all right, uh, so Romans 3.28. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Okay, and Galatians 5.6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith works through, working through love. So again, kind of the point, you know, it's like, why, why is this whole justification by faith alone such an issue? I mean, what's the big deal? Anybody know where it all kind of started? Who had the hardest time with this? Who's the guy that sort of said, something's not right here with this? <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Martin Luther. And so are there other religions that tend to think somewhere, you know, that faith alone is the way of justification? I just, there are. There, there, not everybody thinks that way. A lot of people think more like, you know, the Roman Catholic Church thinks that it's a combination or feels that or teaches that it's a combination of faith in Christ plus works, our works. And I think I was telling you last time that I was here, I went to the, a friend of mine, um, good morning. Good morning. How you doing? I'm well. Yeah. Justification. I see that. Okay. That's a lot on the board. Uh, well, just soak it all in. Okay. Got it? <laughs> okay. Any questions? No. no. Ask Abby. Okay. <laughs> There's a quiz later. <laughs> all right. All right. Need a book? I'm good. You got it memorized? No. But I do have it on my phone. I got distracted by somebody. Is that one of your friends' church catechism? Yeah, he, he, he goes to the Coptic church. It's actually up here on Edmondson Pike. 
he wanted me to go. We've had discussions about this stuff, about theological things. And, you know, the Coptic Church, it's a Coptic Church, and they believe that it is, it is a combination of things. It's still, it's faith with works. And then, so I asked, and, and, and you know, so it, was, it was so funny because he was talking about, you know, before he got into that, he was actually talking about the fall of man, about how, how severely sin affected man and his ability, but yet he was still able to say that man had the ability to choose God even in his fallen state. We, had, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. And so that was really, uh, so, so it, their point is that it, it's also by works in addition to faith in Christ. Faith in Christ was really big, but again, there was no assurance that you'd go to heaven. And I asked the question, how can you, can you have assurance in the Coptic faith? And he said, no, you can't. You can be somewhat sure, but you know, if you get to, if you reach the degree of works, you know, greater than, you know, good works greater than bad works, but it still wasn't very clear. So that's, the, that's what the importance of this whole conversation about justification, how it occurs. Justification, and, and really what I probably should, should say is that it's justification by faith alone. I should have probably emphasized that a little bit earlier than right now, but since Damien's here, I kind of had to bring that up. Some of that's... Sort of I wouldn't have even known if you hadn't said anything that okay. you didn't say that earlier. So. Okay, that's true. But yeah. glad you brought it up. <laughs> Does that make sense? You see the importance of that faith alone, faith plus works. That's that. That's the diff, That's sort of where the chasm comes. And that, you know, and the way Luther describes it, he he has very strong words. He says that idea, faith alone versus faith plus works, is what the church lives or dies on. That's a pretty strong statement, you know, think about that. All right, where was I? Anybody know? Okay, so we're talking about faith. We got some, okay, we went to the second one. So, so for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith. So James 22, 17, who's got that? Okay, thank you, Heidi. Yep. So also, faith by itself, if it does not have work, is dead. And then verse 26 or 22, you see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. Okay, James 2, 26. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. So that kind of qualifies the type of faith that we're seeing. Now, you have to be really careful here to ensure that it's not the works that are saving it is the faith that is saving and the characteristic of the of the faith is that true faith saving faith faith that is given to us by the holy spirit produces works so i want to make that clear that's actually one of i think that's number four and we're getting ahead of ourselves but again i'm getting ahead of me of myself but i'm bringing that up just because it's kind of also brought up in here so I, I think that's an important thing to recognize. Some people, and they make a point of that, the saving, the describing the faith. It's not an empty faith. It's a faith that produces works. Okay, but let's just keep in mind, we don't have to do works. Works is not, a, not an element for salvation or for righteousness or justification. Faith is, but it's a faith that will work. So don't confuse the two. Or maybe I have, Devin, you look like, still got the coffee. I was just... On the words that you have been speaking to us so far. Oh, you're very kind. <laughs> and uh, reflecting on things. Oh, you're very kind. All right. So I got some more. Um, all right. I'm going to hear some more verses. We're going to read number three in just a second. But um, Damien, would you read? Get ready to read Hebrews uh, 10 14. Um, Carissa, Isaiah 53. Five and six, and then Abby, Second um, Corinthians, five twenty-one. So I'm going to read the third paragraph of uh, on justification. So Christ, by his obedience and death, did fully discharge the debt of all those that are justified, 
and didn't, by the sacrifice of himself in the blood of his cross, undergoing in their stead the penalty due unto them. That's really weird, tough language. Make a proper, real, and full satisfaction to God's uh, justice on, uh, in their behalf, yet inasmuch as he was given by the Father for them, and his obedience and satisfaction accepted in their stead, both freely, not for anything in them, their justification is only of free grace, that both exact justice and, and rich grace of God might be glorified in the justification of sinners. I have to say that's a lot of awkward sentences, at least for me, in terms of the English. I think what, you know, what, what it's trying to say is that full, so in other words, how do we know? It's, it's what they're trying to say, I believe, is that Christ's work, his obedience in life, his obedience to death, satisfied God. In other words, that was an actual payment that was accepted by God. Because it says, I think the key here is full, set of set, full satisfaction to God's justice is kind of a key phrase in that, in that whole thing. There's lots of words that I'm not going to try to try to pick out and, and do. I think it's not that important. Mm. The full satisfaction, I think, is the key phrase in this. So Hebrews uh, 10, 14. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. All right. So that's important. There's a couple things in there we haven't talked about. Damien, again, is getting ahead by reading Scripture. It's you such... asked me to. I know. I, oh. <laughs> no, he's getting ahead. He's getting get going to the next article. I know. I'm just reading. I'm just... <laughs> Work with me on this, okay? <laughs> Sorry, Ashraf. Sorry. Right. You're you got no book, no glasses from Indiana. No, I can't do nothing. From Indiana. From my eyes point. There's a something big. From this, I couldn't, but I can't do from this. Yeah, it came all the way from Indiana just for this. <laughs> <laughs> but for a single offering, so the, I think the term that is important just in this verse is perfected. I mean, you know, God's art, God or Christ's work has to be perfect. Because God is perfect, God is holy. We have no idea what those terms actually mean. We we get we get alluded to those, but the fact that it's perfected and the word is perfected confirms that um, the satisfaction has been met. What I was getting at, and I was teasing Damien about, and he asked, I did ask him to read it. But the next paragraph talks about the duration of the just for all time. That's also important. So in other words. And our forgiveness is for all time, and that our justification remains for all time. You know, and this is this is I don't know. I, this is really to me, in my mind, such such great theology that you know, like Ashraf prayed for. This you know, this is the type of theology. When you think of we're justified forever, all time, is great news. It's you know, it's part of the gospel message. And the only thing that you can really do, the only, the only adequate response to that, I think, is worship. We are justified for eternity. What do you do with that? Only one thing. You just worship. How do we do that? That's another Bible. That's another Sunday school. All right. Isaiah um, 53, 5 and 6. Is that Carissa? Mm -hmm. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And his wounds we are healed, and with his wounds we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The last phrase was important. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So it's really God the Father's idea for this to, for this to occur. He's the one who created the whole concept of imputation, of the imputation of our sin to Christ, his righteousness credited to us. All right, um, 2 Corinthians 5.21. I can't remember who I said. Adam. Oh, thanks, Abby. Abby. No, Adam.
our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So again, God intervening, this is God. For our sake he, God, made him, Jesus Christ, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, in Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. So again, God wouldn't create a, create a system where this wasn't paid off to his satisfaction. Christ is the only satisfying, Christ's death, his life and death are the only way that could have satisfied God's uh, requirement of us to be perfect. And so I think that's, that is, that's such great theology in my mind. Um, okay, so I'm going to read the next one, but I wonder if, if um, uh, Chelsea, could you read 1 Timothy, in just a moment, 2.6, 1 Timothy 2.6, and um, Alan, Colossians 1, 21 to 22. So this is kind of an interesting thing, and I, I, I like this, and it kind of adds a little bit of clarity, but okay, <clears throat> so this is, this is paragraph four. God did from all eternity decree to justify all the elect, and Christ in the fullness of time die for their sins and raise again for their justification. Nevertheless, okay, here's the condition. They are not justified personally until the spirit doth in time do actually apply Christ unto them. What do you think that's saying? What do you think that's saying? I don't know. It's, it's quite a bit. You got to think through that. Kind of putting you on the spot a little bit. They're not justified personally until. Yeah, uh, so God, for one, where I, where I come from, the idea was always that God, in terms of election, that he would look ahead in time and see who would believe in him. So it's almost, though they would say they believe grace by faith alone, they believe it almost in a works way, and that God only looks forward. Um, God, though time is as much his own construct as everything else he created, um, therefore God is outside of time but can also look ahead and see the fullness of time, operating time, all of that. So he chooses us before the foundation of the world, and um, but for us who experience that when that comes about, um, though that choice be made, it only it happens at the time he is appointed for us to believe in him. Yeah. So it's like people can people people can be alive and not justified for a period, a long period, can occur just before death. I mean, everybody, my guess is probably everybody here was at one time not justified, mm -hmm. not until the spirit works. And of course, that belief is holy of him. So. Yeah. But yet, it's kind of weird. In there. Well, how can we be elected, not be justified? That's that's not as uh, tension holding as as we might think because think about when was Abraham justified? When he developed faith. When he had faith. Right? Of faith without without faith, you can't be justified. Right. Right. So it was reckoned to him as righteousness just by him believing God's promises. Right. So. Um, you might be elected, and that, that of course, is from before the foundation of the world, but it doesn't show up in your life until a particular moment in time, and it is truly just a moment yeah. where you are brought from death to life, and from that being brought from death to life, faith is also given to you as, as a gift, and then after you have that, you then exercise that. And that's when you're justified. So you could ask the question, would someone ever die before they're justified? That's the, ten that's the tension that I saw sort of mm -hmm. in that question. If they're elect? They will, they'll, if they're elect, they'll always be justified. It'll, they won't die before that happens. Um, well, we had a bit of a discussion about that last week. We did. What about babies who die? Elect 
infants. They don't have the opportunity to hear the gospel. They, even if they did hear the gospel, they don't have the opportunity to understand. Um, and so in that case, there is, there's obviously some sort of other way that God applies grace to their account. Yeah. That's one but that's way. outside of the norm. It's also one of those things because the infants are unable to speak for themselves and because we don't know the mind of God. That's the right. reality particular to them. Right. And I always looked at the, the case of David and Bathsheba and their particular child that died and how he said that I can't yeah. bring him back, but I can go to him. And I've always taken on that with enough for me to have faith in what God does for children. Yeah. I, th- I think there's other evidence, other biblical evidence that would support that. You know, children not having the ability to accept faith or demonstrate faith is like when all the all the um, children that were killed as a result of Christ um, mm-hmm. you know when he was you know when, that whoever was in charge killed them all I can't remember Herod. Sorry. Herod. I mean those people those people were killed because of those children were killed because of Christ God's gonna I mean I think he says I don't know I can't quote it but he's gonna have special favor on those people those kids children so that was kind of a an outside of the norm so if if there is someone who's elect who has the ability to hear and understand and respond in faith to the gospel their response in faith is still as a gift of the holy spirit as uh, being regenerated because you can't act in faith unless you're alive in the spirit. Um, so yeah, I, I see your tension, yeah, and where that you know might cause you some some issues. But at the same time, God is completely sovereign, and therefore, if He's elected, He's going to justify them before yeah they die. Yeah. All right, First uh, Timothy two six. Who's got that? Uh, that's me, and then a favorite uh, five goes along with it as well. Sure, go ahead. Uh, for there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man, uh, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. Okay. Colossians 1, 20, 1-22. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Again, I think all this is saying is that there are times when we are not just, there is a time in our lives, and probably everybody's life, well, children aside, just for a second, okay, that we are not believers, we are enemies, uh, enmity with God, and that we are not justified until the Spirit works in us. I'm not going to get into think why do you think he does that, or why do you think he makes a point of that? Um, why is that even brought up? Well, I'm not going to go there. Okay? All right. Let's go. We're going to go to number five next in just a second. This is a good one. They're all good. What am I saying? But if someone read... Um, uh, Let's see, Sean, would you read John uh, 10, 28? And Bun's Psalm 89, uh, 31 through 33. And so let me go ahead and just read number five. God doth continue to forgive the sins of those who are justified. And although they can never fall from a state of justification, yet they may, by their sins, fall under God's fatherly displeasure. And in that condition, they may not usually, they they have not usually the light of his countenance restored unto them until they humble themselves, confess their sins, beg pardon, and renew their faith and repentance. So <clears throat> this is, you know, this is, uh, to me, great news. If you have people, known people, have family members like I do, like we do, that, you know, seem to have kind of fallen away from the faith. 
you know, the, do, you, do you ever know if they're real believers or not? Probably not. But, the, but this gives you hope and gives us a reason to pray to God. I, what I'm thinking is my youngest daughter. My youngest daughter, you know, was baptized in this church. And then recently, you know, kind of renounced her faith because it didn't, you know, fit into the things that she wanted to do. So we pray for her that she continues to, that God would bring her, kind of, kind of continue to tug at her and draw her back, you know, into the church, into the faith. That's what we pray. But, and that's, that's, that's what I'm hoping. That's what we're hoping. Um, uh, John, uh, John uh, 10, 28, uh, Sean? Uh, I can read more than that. Oh, please. Just put it all together. Yeah, if you want to start from Genesis, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I'll jump ahead a few uh, books. But okay. uh, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. I didn't know if I was going to be able to do that, but yeah. Thank you. Um, Vance, you got some? If they violate my statutes and do not keep my commandments, then I will punish their transgression and the rod and their iniquities with stripes. But I will not remove them from him my steadfast love or but I will not remove from him my steadfast love or be false to my faithfulness. So God is God is faithful to those that, you know, turn against him, to those believers that will turn against him. His faith, he, he, he is steadfast in that. And so I find that very comforting, very reassuring, and gives me some hope, you know, for, you know, my kids, my kid. I don't know what the other kid the three of them. Um, all right. Does that make sense? I, that's, that's, just, that's just really, to me, again, great theology. It's just, you know, great theology is more, it, it just, what it does is just gives you hope. Great theology is always practical, I think. If it's not, it's just words and just gives us, you know, boosts our, makes, makes our head, heads big. And but great theology just gives us hope, gives us practical. It's it's it makes us gives us the correct worldview. All right, that's number five. I'm going to read. We'll get ready to read the last one. <coughs> Let's see. Um, uh, Abby, would you read? Get ready to read Galatians three nine, and then Damien Romans four twenty two to twenty four. So I'll just read the, I'll read the paragraph that describes the next art, the article. It says, The justification of believers under the Old Testament was, in all the re these respects, uh, one and the same with the justification of believers of the New Testament. Uh, Abby, would you uh, go ahead and read Galatians 3.9? So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. And Damien? That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord. I mean, I, I think this is trying to answer sort of an issue that comes up you know, uh, faith in Christ is how people are saved. And it is trying, and, and I think these verses and the, you know, the, the confession is trying to say that it is the same way we are justified no matter what age. Uh, God is consistent, you know, in that, um, in that requirement. And it's faith, again, is necessary. This is necessary for justification to occur. Doesn't matter New Testament or Old Testament. I think that because I think a lot of people say, "Well, Christ didn't show up." He said, "Well, everything points if you if as as we are read to to understand even the Old Testament. You know, the Old Testament, as you know, everything points to Christ. 
And so it's faith in that thing they don't see yet. It's a little different than what we see, but they kind of know. I mean, it's even described, of course, in the, at the time of the fall. The faith you know, that we can have is there. You have to look for it. It's pretty subtle, but it's there. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just going to, I kind of write down some bullet state take, takeaway points. I don't know if these are helpful, but they're always helpful to me as we go this. I'm just going to read some of these. I'll say the supreme need of an unjust person is righteousness. Okay, justification by faith alone means justification by the righteousness of Christ alone, not by our goodness or good deeds. Justification of, by faith means the works we do are not good enough to merit justification. Romans 3.20, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. Again, no, no deeds. We are declared, counted, or reckoned to be righteous when God imputes the righteousness of Christ to our account. It's not into us. I didn't really get into that too much. There's a, again, I kind, of, we kind of I kind of alluded that you know we are declared righteous. We are not made righteous. So in other words, there's a little tension there. It's like it's like how can we be justified and still be sinners? That's a weird tension. You gotta you gotta agree with me. I do. That's Completely. a that's that's a difficult tension to. To really grasp, you know, you know, saved and sinners at the same time, but that's, you know, and you, why did why did God even allow that? Why did God do that? I think it's so that we can be ministers to other people who are also sinners. Like that's one thing. I'm sure there's more to that, but I think about that. That's that's bizarre. It's great news for us, but how how does He do that? It, you know, which. You know, the thing is, if, 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 say we're made, if you use the term we are made righteous as opposed to declared righteous, that suggests that there's no more evil within us, and that's just not true. It doesn't make sense. Just look at yourself. Look at any believer. They're imperfect. But if you think that, that, that we are made righteous, that we no longer sin, is just, that, that, I, it doesn't make sense to me. And it makes God a liar. Yeah. And I think the, the way that becomes a significant thing is I think the Catholic Church tends to think that we are made righteous. We had uh, people in my old churches that used to read uh, Be Ye Perfect in the King James Version and thought, well, God God wouldn't tell you that if you didn't think you could do it. <laughs> you can't. Well, you can't. Um, just a few other notes. The necessary condition... For justification is faith, an act of faith. Gotta remember it's an act of faith. I don't think anybody has a problem with that, right? No separation, it's always okay. Our justification is by imputation. That's a weird word. I don't know how that works. That's another like, but I I know that it's true. Kind of like for that example that I mean, I know that it's true. There's evidence of it. Christ, God could have not killed Christ unless our sin was imputed to him. Otherwise, he was wrong to kill Christ on our behalf. That makes sense? Okay. God transfers to us by faith the righteousness of Christ. All right. Any other? So that that's all I had. Ten after. I don't even, what, does this does this class ever end? On time. <laughs> it definitely didn't last week. <laughs> okay. I guess it, it, it lasts. I guess it, I guess we have a we have a window right which we can close down. All right. Now we can talk. <laughs> All right. Any any questions about that? Does that make sense? Is there a better way to explain things? Does anybody have any more thoughts on that? You know, if we were made it righteous instead of declared, if we were made righteous, then we didn't need to God no more. We would be more independent. Sure. When we declare, we, we are not made. We are declared. We always rely always on good. God. That's a good point. Yeah. Excellent point. I wanted to I wanted to pose a question that probably muddies the waters a lot. Sure, let's go back to the okay, beginning. We got we got shiny boots on over here. We got very nice <laughs> boots up front. This is a, obviously a boot family. So, uh, but yeah. it goes it goes back to the beginning of this class, and it brings in last class, going off of the the list, and I'm the the list of one through ten, and I'm with no disrespect to anybody as far as the list goes. I'm going to 
in my mind, it's a, a it's a man's understanding of the process, which leads me to the question for the list as well as the uh, the discussion around uh, babies um, or anybody who dies before their calling or their justification. If God has an elect, what does God require of himself to bring man to glorification? I guess full stop question. And I ask that question because if God has elected and one needs to be called so that regeneration, conversion, justification, adoption, sanctification, perseverance, death, and glorification can happen. In my mind, that would say that anyone who dies before they are called, regardless of if they are elected, cannot be glorified. I, as I was saying it, I'm like, I probably just confused everybody that I'm asking the question to. If God requires anything beyond his election in order for him to glorify before they come to their position of calling in the time continuum, if they die before they are called, then God cannot glorify those he's elected because they haven't reached the next So what, what you're describing to us, like God has God seen the entirety of time and how it's laid out. He's... He's ordained the the way that it's going to happen. He doesn't like control us like robots or anything right. like that. But he ordained or declared everything and the means by which those things will come about. Um, if I hear what you're saying, then what I think you're saying is if someone dies elect, but is called before not called before they die, and uh, then they can't be glorified because they weren't called. That's a non-starter because that's not a situation that would ever happen. It would completely call into question the perfection of God, for one thing. And I and and my question, I guess the the reason I'm posing the question, yeah. it, from my own hope in God, yeah. is that if God has elected, mm -hmm. God can glorify regardless of any stages in between, because He's God. He's all. He's all powerful. Well, it's it's that that God, if He has elected, will do everything on that list because He is perfect. Does that make sense? You can't skip the middle. All of that happens. It may not fit the framework of what we're thinking about, right? But because, and maybe that's just because who God is, because of who He is, how unchanging He is, how, how perfect He is, how good He is, all the attributes, everything you can say about God and, that, and Him. When He elects, He is saying, "I will." do everything in that list it's going to happen so that's what I'm saying about a non-starter uh, there's no situation in reality our reality where that has ever occurred or will ever occur I think it's a promise yeah he is not going to anyone that he will anyone that he has elected none of them will not be glorified that's it all will be glorified that he's elected period yeah and I and and I believe that hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I I'm I'm calling into question: Do all of those stages need to happen? Because I, it's like, how do those things happen? Where, uh, well, a I think that's baby's what been aborted, saying. or a baby dies early, or or whatever that is. Yeah. You know, are we to presume that stages two through eight happen in a moment, regardless of anything being said or done? So say or, so can or or all or are the two through eight for I don't even like so, the way I'm saying it. So like, if I, if my mind's, living. in my mind's eye, election and calling, you know, election comes first, calling. When you're called, you're regenerated, you're converted, you're justified, you're adopted all in that moment. And per sanctification and perseverance are things that occur through life, and we die, and then we're glorified. Mm -hmm. So most of those are instantaneous in our time. Election mm -hmm. happens be before the foundation of the world. You know, we're called mm -hmm. for all that, or after election. Um, 
you know, if you were sanctified, if I, if I got saved and then I died five months later, I had five minutes of sanctification, I had five minutes of perseverance, I died and then I would be glorified. So gotcha. that's why I think about it. I think the list is a bit artificial. I, I understand that. And, and I kind of hesitated to even put that up, but it was, but it was discussed. Yeah. And it was kind of brought up by, I think, I think Alan was the one who, who made me put it up there. <laughs> but, but I think no one really, rec- some of these things you don't even recognize. You don't recognize that you're called in retrospect, I can kind of see where I was, where I, I had a leaning towards God, not because of my own, but because of what he put into me. Back when I was a teenager, I kind of felt it and kind of remembered it. You know, regeneration, I, I don't even know what that feels like. I mean, I kind of know what it feels like, but, you know, does it probably happens kind of like, you know, like what Devin was saying. Some of these things probably, all these probably happen about the same time. Yeah. You know, and we don't, do we even really know it? No, probably not. The, we know we're adopted. The regeneration matters to me, but it can get, a lot of these you can get so hung up on the order. My old church got hung up on whether regeneration came before conversion, because they would see it as you believe, then you're regenerated, which is not how I see it, because that's important, because you can fall into works if you're not careful. But even if you have that all down and right, you can get so hung up on the order sometimes to completely forget the realities that the Bible is trying to convey to us and what we receive and the blessing of it. Like he's essentially saying, the Bible is essentially saying, you get these things, uh, here's what happened to you and, you know, rejoice in God because these things happened to you. Yeah, regardless of the order. Yeah. And that's where I wondered if it's more for man who walks. It's our stages two through eight for our benefit I think it's man's constraint. Man has to make a list. We're created to make order out of things and understand things and try and explain things. And that's, I mean, the Bible uses those words, but we we spend our entire lives trying to create theological handbooks and and all kinds of things to try and describe what God has done for us. And still like a baby babbling. Yeah. You know, like these... I didn't know all these classes you have to go. But I remember, but now that you put it on, I can't see. I went through those, but I didn't know. I went through it. And I put it this way. I remember when I was, I remember when was God called me and said to tell people about Jesus. So that was my, my calling. Regeneration, I think, I remember, I died when I received Jesus. I died and become alive. I really did. Yeah. So when I did alive, it was God that that conversion and everything God did it by self. And I didn't, I didn't name stages. Right, I just right. went through, like, you know, so not that you put it in there as a bed. So those are stages, but I didn't name them. It's just God did it through me, in me. Made to make me the righteous in God and in Him to Jesus. I think yeah. what's important to do is to basically to remember what you said. Election is it the good way to remember it is to it's a promise. I think like if nothing else you take away from that, like there's a lot in that. I mean, there's you could teach them weeks just on that alone. Um, so that's a lot for the last five minutes of class, which is what we were talking about last week. Is a whole series in the last five minutes but I think something good to remember is if you've been elected God's promise however he's going to do it it's beyond our understanding but he's going to do it he's going to save us so I love adoption Uh, adoption to me you know that whole concept you know I I don't think I was able to I was too late on the draw to, to get Adoption, that would have been one that I really had. But it was good to go to justification. Adoption's just, you know, very cool because now, you know, adoption here in this country, and I think is also a legal a legal thing, too, where we're now in God's family and the fact that, you know, Christ is the, the means by which, you know, we're adopted into his family. And the fact that he, you know, in, in the Lord's Prayer, he says, here's how to pray. Our Father. It's like that is that is such a big deal. You're now in. You know, imagine being. I don't know if anybody's adopted here, but imagine being in a lousy family, being adopted to, you know, a, a godly family. You know, the, the changes that that you know occurs, the position that you're in, that you're now an heir. 
uh, an heir to whatever price gets we get. It's like, it makes no sense. Just it's just beyond. Just again, that worship thing. That's what it comes down to. We gotta pray. Mm-hmm. Pray, Devin, singing. Yeah. Heavenly okay. Father, we pray for Devin as he sings this morning. We just thank you for the gifts that you have given him uh, to be able to sing. Pray for the rest of the people, the rest of the members of the band and the singers that, uh, again, you would, as they as they uh, lead us into worship, that it would be just a time of, of joy that we may just worship you because of what we've learned today about justification and how you arrange that in this whole order of salutis that that we've tried to you know fit you into forgive us for you know that if we if we don't get it correct and or if we try to stick to man's method of how we do that the big thing is that we just are we're grateful to you lord that you intervened on our behalf that you intervened because we're sinners that you uh, uh, have done so in such a beautiful way and reveal that to us lord we thank you for giving for those writers that spent so much time and effort to make these things clear to us. And thank you for giving us the hearts to better understand these things. And we pray for whoever's preaching this morning uh, that, uh, again, you would uh, give them the words to say. We are we're grateful to Lord that we know that when we gather to hear your word preached, that you honor that and you bless that. And I just pray for everyone in the congregation who may not know you, just uh, hear the gospel clearly, uh, that they would uh, come to uh, saving faith, uh, you know, in you uh, because of the word being preached here. Um, again, prepare our hearts as we hear uh, these words, prepare our hearts to worship uh, you. And again, I'm grateful for all those here in the time that we had to discuss you, discuss you and um, the justification that you have provided for us. Amen.